Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I am a yoga teacher with many years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to show you how to get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, and build a community. For years, I've been working with teachers in my signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, and I've seen so many teachers transform, and I can help you get there too. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 222, which I'm not a big numerology person, but I sort of love when an episode is all the same number. Now, truth be told, last time, episode 221, my lucky number is 21, so I had an affinity for that, Uh, but I'll take 222 as well. I I actually have to Google, 222 in numerology must mean something, so it'll be interesting to see what that means. I'll have to look that up later. So I am recording this on January 12th, 2023. This will go up on January 16th, 2023, and you'll hear it then or sometime thereafter. And I would love to know, oh dear, so sorry about that. I would love to know if you are a podcast listener who listens to the episodes right on Monday when they come out. If you are, can you send me a DM and let me know? Because (laughs) last week was, or actually this week, was the first time in a couple of years, I think, where I missed my Monday deadline. And it was something outside of my control. And it just happened uh, from a technical perspective. And so we couldn't actually go live. I couldn't actually go live with this week's episode until... Tuesday. And so I was wondering if there was somebody out there that could that have been you maybe that was looking for the episode on Monday and didn't see it. So send me a DM and let me know. I know that I listen to the Rich Roll podcast and the James Wedmore podcast every Monday, like clockwork. Um, And so if there wasn't a new episode on Monday of those two shows, I would definitely be bumming. So anyway, I wanted to start out today by just talking briefly about the workshop that I just did. And it's really to share with you what I shared because it's such a powerful framework that you may not be thinking of. So even though you weren't at the workshop, unless you're one of the folks listening who were, I want to just give you a a snippet of the information that I shared because it's really something that can be a game changer for you. It has to do with breaking down anatomy and the study of anatomy into key pieces. And the reason this is such a game changer is because for so many yoga teachers, their experience of learning anatomy was really shaped by the initial training they took. And the initial training they took in many cases 
there's so much variety in how training programs are presenting the subject of anatomy. Now, I only, of course, know about how the training programs did when it comes to teaching anatomy after some point that the teacher is done with that training and we meet on Instagram or we meet somewhere on Facebook and I start to have a conversation with them about their understanding of anatomy. And they share with me that their training wasn't that great or for whatever multitude of reasons, they just didn't get a good anatomy background. And so that's why I know that this subject really resonates with people. And it's why I am so passionate about sharing what I shared today on the workshop. And that is essentially a framework, a step-by-step -step process, a blueprint, I call it. Those of you who, if you're listening and you're in my program, it's called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program. And it's really heavy on the blueprint part because that's the point my friend, that's the point. It's to give you a step-by-step -step way to learn this subject that's really challenging and really big. So that's what I shared in the workshop today. I shared the actual steps. So if you're interested in knowing at least what the steps are, just DM me anatomy steps, and I'll send you the PDF that I shared with the people who were in the workshop today. So today, what I wanted to do is speak about beginners and teaching beginners because it is the beginning of the year. And I know that it's a time when there are going to be a lot of beginners in your classes. And I know that that can sometimes bring up unique challenges for teachers. And so I thought it might be helpful to just quickly go through some tips for working with beginners. So the first tip that we want to go over here and that I want to share with you is the concept of using action-based cues. I've talked about this before because action-based cues are part of my framework that I teach for cueing. And the framework is as follows, action cues, alignment cues, anatomy-based cues, and feeling-based cues. Now, the great news about action cues out of all four types is they are the easiest type of cue for someone to understand. And for you as a yoga teacher, if you're newer, they're the easiest kind of cue compared to the other ones. And so teaching from action as a new teacher is a great place from which to begin. And the good news is teaching beginners from action is a great place to begin for them because essentially what it does is it gives them very specific actionable <laughs> things that they can do to make the pose come to life. Remember times or imagine a time or think back to a time when you took a yoga class and you heard the cue and you weren't quite sure what the teacher meant. Or maybe the teacher gave you a lot of options and it was difficult for you to figure out which option to take, or you didn't know which option would apply to you. So this takes out all of that confusion and gives you a very specific way to share with your students. And this works really well with beginners because as you know, remember when you were a beginner, you were overwhelmed as a student. You probably felt a little out of sorts and uncomfortable. So you really appreciated or would have appreciated really clear action-based cueing. So that's the first thing that 
is so essential to working with beginners. Now, in this episode here, I'm not going to go through examples of action-based queuing, how to queue in this way. If you would like to know more about that, send me a DM with the word action cues, and I'll send you a recorded workshop that'll walk you through all of it. The next piece when you're working with beginners is to consider some fundamental anatomical principles. And one of them is wider is steadier, narrower is not. So I'll say that again, wider is steadier, narrower is not. So when we take a wider base, it automatically provides us with more stability because we align the hips, the knees, and the ankles and the feet, essentially. And so when you consider a posture like warrior one, that's typically taught heel to heel, now you're taking it at a wider base. Same with crescent lunge, same with even a knee down lunge. It provides more stability because the foundation is broader. So this is something that can be very beneficial to beginners who oftentimes have balance challenges. Now, a related idea is longer is stretchier, shorter is not. And this refers to the idea, especially in standing poses, that when we take the base to a very long position, meaning the front foot is very far in front, and the back foot is very far behind, we're automatically asking for more flexibility in the muscles. And so if we shorten up the base, we will immediately decrease some of the ask on the joints and the musculature so that our students can create more stability. So it shares with that earlier principle, the concept of stability, However, it speaks also to mobility and specifically flexibility in the muscles. And this is something that, as you know, many of your new yoga students are not going to have a lot of flexibility. However, because they're new, they're probably going to be really enthusiastic and they're going to think as many new yoga students think, which is if I go at this hard, I'm going to get the most benefit. And in actuality, what oftentimes happens is if you go at yoga hard in the first 14 days of your practice and you increase the frequency from zero to 60 without a gradual increase, you'll probably experience an injury. And so this is why principles like these last two I just shared with you, wider is steadier, narrower is not, shorter is more stable, longer is stretchier, right? are two things that can immediately decrease the risk of injury to students in your classes. Now, I don't know about you, I hear from a lot of yoga teachers that they are very worried about people getting hurt in their classes. And we'll just take a little sidebar here and address that because even though we're not going to address it in full here in this conversation, I want you to consider that you have no control over if someone gets injured in your class because the variables involved in whether or not your student gets injured are most of the time outside of your control. You have no control over who's in your class, their medical condition, their medical history, how they approach the poses to a certain extent, and whether or not they have something in their body that is brewing ready to go. However, there are a number of things that you do have control over. You have control over how you cue and what you say. 
You have control over the poses you present in your sequence. And so those two things alone, along with you also have control over how focused you are. You have control over whether or not you choose to practice with your class, knowing that if you practice with your class, I would say that the risk of injury may increase because you're oftentimes not able to see your students. So when you stop practicing with your class, to a certain extent, it stands to reason that the injuries could potentially, the risk of injury could potentially be decreased because you as a teacher are able to see your students better, they can hear you better, you can adjust your cues better based on what you see in terms of how they approach the postures. All of those things are challenged when you are doing a full practice with your class. So I want you to think about if you are listening to this and you are worried about people getting hurt in your classes, I want you to think about what you have control over, very much control over, and you can choose to control those variables. You can control what you offer in your sequence. You can control how you cue your students. You can control the decision to practice with your class or not. And when you make choices on those three variables in a way that I've just described, there is a sense, a possibility of the risk of injury going down. Now, of course, people may still get hurt in your class. You may know about it or you may never hear about it. It's not a 100% thing. And this is the other thing that I've talked about before, which is that the best defense for that aspect of teaching, which is to say there's always some risk involved, is knowledge. And it's not knowledge about certain aspects of yoga, even those that are helpful to have. It's knowledge about one specific aspect of teaching, and that is anatomy. The more you truly understand about anatomy, the more comfortable you will be with the inherent risk involved in teaching yoga, because you will understand the variables involved and you'll know how to mitigate for them in the best way you can. There is no more or less risk for the most part in yoga practice when we compare it to working out at the gym, riding a bike, going for a run, picking up something heavy, sneezing, and maybe throwing our back out, there's risk all around. So our best defense, our best defense is knowledge and the other variables I shared and mitigating for those. So now that we've taken a little sidebar there and talked about injury, let's also talk about some other things that you can do to help your beginning yoga students. So another aspect that you might not have considered, however, it can potentially be helpful, is to hold off on adding music to your classes, because in that way, your students won't have the potential distraction of the music, and they'll really be able to hear you clearly. 
Another thing that can really help with your beginning yoga students is to give them ample time in the front end of class to make that shift from being in their headspace to being in their body. Now, I'm sure you've got lots of neat ways that you do that with your classes. If you're looking for ideas, you can just take them through a breathing exercise on their back, or you can keep them in child's pose in the beginning of class a little bit longer. You can even just do a guided body scan when they're lying on their back. Doing any of those things or other ideas that you have is a great way to shift their awareness from the outside to the inside. And I'm sure you can appreciate when you do something that's movement-based, the more present you are, the more present you are, it gives you a better opportunity to approach it in a really intelligent way from a movement perspective. So we're talking movement intelligence here. Now, another big variable when it comes to working with beginners is the sequence you're offering them. Now, this can be potentially challenging because if your class isn't for beginners, you might have other people in class who clearly are not beginners and who have been practicing for some time. So keep in mind, the fundamental nature of what you share as a teacher applies to everyone. And this is where I'm asking you to really, really own this as a teacher versus being swayed by what's out there sometimes as, quote, popular opinion that, you know, there's different levels of classes and we have advanced students and beginning students. And, you know, there's certain poses that, you know, people are going to ask for if they have more experience. While some of that may be true, or they may, or let me rephrase that, where there may be some truth in some of that, there is no denying that there are certain fundamental functional movement uh, approaches that apply to everyone and from which everyone can benefit. And some of these I've alluded to a little bit in this episode when we talk about widening the base and stacking the joints. These are features of a lot of fundamental postures and everyone can benefit and can find benefit in practicing in that way. Now, I live in the real world. I teach real classes. I know that you probably, as I certainly have, have heard maybe some feedback from students. Well, this isn't hard enough, or this person's class was geared too much towards beginners and I wasn't challenged. And on the one hand, while I appreciate that that could be the student's perspective, Keep in mind, number one, when students are coming to a group class, it's a group experience. It's not an individual experience. Number two, you as a teacher own the what is being presented, the agenda, the sequence, the process. And the more you own that, even in the face of people saying back to you, this isn't what I want, this isn't what I like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not the teacher for everybody and neither are you. And so the more we can own who we are as a teacher, how we approach teaching without being swayed by feedback that's negative by people that want to maybe take us down or, you know, kind of poke holes in, you know, our, our persona, our personhood, the more we can be steadfast with that the less stress we will have 
and it allows everybody to do what they want, right? If people don't resonate with the style of yoga you teach, they have plenty of other options and they can go to those other classes. Now, that might sound like it turned into a little bit more of an issue than it needs to. I think that absolutely, if you are teaching a class that's geared to beginners and it's titled as such on the website, people coming to that class should expect the flow will be for beginners. If you're teaching a group class and there's mixed experience levels in it, it is up to you to present in such a way that allows for a variety of students to find benefit. However, that doesn't mean that you need to feel compelled to teach complex poses or to hone in on a particular advanced variation. Maybe offer it and know that it's a progression that some people can take and there's and it's a progression that some people most likely will not take. So that's sort of some ideas there. I will say that this concept of appreciating that you're not the teacher for everyone is something that when you truly own this idea, if you choose to, if it resonates with you, I'm not saying of course you need to, but if it resonates with you, you will have so much less stress because so much of the stress that I hear about from teachers comes from this constant wavering from being one way, being another way, being a third way, kind of like a cork in the ocean. And while being a newer teacher, sort of, it's sort of baked into that experience that you are finding your way of being as a teacher. Make no mistake about it, when you find your way of being for now, right? It doesn't need to be a rigid forever thing. When you though do find it for now, and you really truly own it, you will have less stress because you'll appreciate that it's not up to you to control your students. It's up to them to have agency over what they wanna do, whose classes they want to go to. And you don't need to defend, this is really important friends, you don't, my friend, you don't need to defend your way of teaching. As long as your intention is good and pure and there to help, you are in alignment. If you can't look yourself in the mirror and you know that you are putting on airs or pretending to be somebody, somebody else or trying to up-level when you haven't done your homework and haven't done the work to for instance, maybe use anatomy in your cues as one example, then you're out of alignment, then you're out of integrity. However, when you can truly say that you are teaching and coming from a place of integrity and honesty and truthfulness and wanting to be of service, that's it, <laughs> right? People come at you and, and try to poke holes at that. Well, these classes aren't hard enough. I want to do more core. This is for beginners. And you don't need to defend that. So I really want to wanted to take that sidebar because I know that when I talk to yoga teachers, sometimes that is a source of anxiety. And I want to give you a reframe around that so that you don't have anxiety around that anymore. 
So when we talk about sequencing for beginners, what are we really talking about? Well, we're talking about fundamental posture, certainly your sun salutations. We're talking about offering modifications, different ways to do it. We're talking about maybe a really quick demo here and there to show people how to do the pose. However, we're not talking about getting on the mat and doing the entire practice. We're not talking about having hands down on the mat. We're talking about any kind of demo that might involve something where you can do it from standing. And it's really, really brief. What you'll come to realize uh, is that once you really hone in on effective cueing, you won't need to demo and you won't need to practice with your students and you'll be able to walk around the room you don't necessarily need to assist them. You'll simply be able to see at the room from many different points of view so that you can really truly adjust your cues to be most helpful. So fundamental sequencing involves things that are repeatable, involves postures that typically have a wider base, although may not, that have options where students can modify. I mean, we're not going to actually get into the actual postures here in this conversation. Just, just know that we're talking about what I'm pretty sure you know about falls into this middle lane versus variations that might involve a little more complexity. And remember, when we understand anatomy, when I hear the word complexity as someone who has spent a lot of time understanding concepts of anatomy. I hear complexity equals a lot of joint mobility and a lot of flexibility in the muscles. And typically what makes postures challenging for people is that they don't have the requisite joint mobility and they don't have the requisite muscular flexibility in terms of the tone of the muscle itself so that they're able to get into, and I'll just use a yoga word here, appropriate alignment, proper alignment. In the exercise science world, it's not really called alignment per se. It's really more about the kinetic chain and creating neutral stacking in the kinetic chain. In the yoga world, we're referring more to things, it's referred more to things like being in alignment. So if I say to somebody, come into tree pose, or I say to somebody, come into tree pose and take a variation where your leg is in a lotus position, that second scenario is going to require a lot more mobility in the hip, especially as it relates to the ability to externally rotate the hip, which means the internal rotators need to be a little more lengthened, a little more flexible. So that's just one example of understanding how providing a variation for tree ups the ante. And this is why it's so critical when we teach beginners to really have intention behind any variation we offer and to appreciate that if we offer a variation that's outside functional movement patterns, it's going to increase the risk, increase the complexity and potentially take the student out of alignment. And so this is why, again, I keep coming back to this common theme. This is why understanding the key aspects of anatomy avoids all of that, because now you're going in to teach your class armed with the correct information, the information so that you are aware of the different postures and the functional requirements on the body of each one. And that is how you could actually create 
sequences that have real integrity and can be targeted to different types of students. As we wrap up here, one of the last pieces about teaching beginners just comes from your way of being. Remember when you went to your first yoga class, you probably felt really awkward and nervous. That's how your students feel too. So I'm sure you're already doing this. It just stands to reason and it comes from our humanity and our warmth and our dedication to being of service to people that we are going to welcome them. We are going to say at the end of our classes, if you have any questions, let me know. We're going to do things like hang out before class and after class for that sheepish, sheepish, shy student to approach us and get up the courage to ask a question. We're going to encourage people. We're going to invite them to come to another class. We're going to invite them to ask questions at the end of class. So these are all the things. We're gonna show them where the props are so they can get their props before class. These are all the logistical things, the mindset things, uh, the way of being for you as a teacher things that you can do so that you make their first couple of classes really welcoming and you really show yourself as a leader within the community, as a resource for them within the community. And that's something that, you know, can really help you um, just advocate for students more, build your classes, you know, to, to being seen as a resource for, for students in your community. And those are things that we like to do. Again, we don't want to be hyper-focused on the number of people in our classes. It's just that holding ourselves and carrying ourselves in a particular way just naturally radiates a sense of availability that will and and connection that will automatically help you grow your classes so i hope you found this conversation helpful i would love what to know what you think of it so please send me a dm on instagram and let me know and then also if you would like my tips for new teachers guide or my tips for teaching beginners just send me a dm on instagram and say either new teachers guide or tips for beginners, and I'll send you the PDF that goes with whichever one you selected. So again, we're only in the middle of the month of January, so I can still say Happy New Year and be okay about it. So Happy New Year. I hope your year is off to a good start, and I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Thank you so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Namaste. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page, and I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page, the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. 
I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes that you wanna to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit, and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.